episode 146. Hello, Bass Bastion Podcast. Today's special guest, third place, coming out of the Bassmaster Classic, Scott Canterbury, 2019 Bassmaster AOI, finally joins the show, and we have a good time talking shallow, power, spring, bass fishing. Enjoy the episode. This week, the Hell of Ass Bass Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Arsenal Fishing. Arsenal Fishing offers premium custom-made performance apparel and tackle. Arsenal delivers a wide variety of custom-designed baits, accessories, and tools, along with unique utilitarian apparel for all outdoor enthusiasts. As part of their support, you can use code HELLABASS15 to save 15% on all purchases at arsenalfishing.com to support the show. Now let's get back to helping you catch more bass and suck less. Here we are. What's up, everybody? Another Hellabass Live and a uh, special guest. We've been we've been working on. I was looking at the original text messages, Scott. I think it's been like eighteen months since we were like uh, changing messages. Trying to get there's been it, yeah. there's been fishing tournaments and uh, turkey hunting and probably some <laughs> Alabama football games that have gotten in the way. But we finally figured a time that works. Yeah, it worked out good. And I mean, it's right after a good finish at the classic, a big tournament, and. A lot of fishing going on right now. I mean, a lot of a lot of good fishing going on. Yeah, actually, we were just talking. Like, obviously, it's the other league, but uh, you guys are heading to Murray in a few weeks, and uh, the some of the other guys are fishing on Murray this week, and they're catching the fire out of them. So it's got to fire you up. Looking forward, knowing that you're going to a really good fishery at potentially a good time. <clears throat> it is. It you know this is a great time of year to be fishing in the south or southeast or just about anywhere. You know, but the. Uh, Lake Murray, it just looks like it's been on fire. And and I've heard, you know, you hear stuff that it's come back the last couple of years and been really good. So uh, I'm excited about it. Yeah, for it felt sure. like Murray was kind of in the rotation, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. I feel like especially like when maybe when you were fishing FLW, like it was kind of a, a rotation. Um and it kind of fell out of favor. Maybe it was the Chamber of Commerce wasn't inviting people, or you know, it's, sometimes it's more than just the fishing. But uh, seems like it's uh, healthy and and rocking. It is. It is. It looks that way. And <laughs> you know, it used to have a lot of deep grass in it, a lot of deep hydrilla, and they really, really caught them back then. And that was a little bit before I started FLW, and uh-huh. uh, the grass is gone. But there was there's a little grass coming back now. And you know, I fished a couple of cups over there. Uh, Gagley already won one, beat me by one ounce that I lost a big one the last day that everybody still talks about. And then uh, my buddy Justin Atkins won the cup over there as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's a, uh, it's a great fishery, a great fishing community. That's the one thing about it is those people over there fish too. I mean, the locals will get out and fish and and uh, they cheer you on. And, and it's it'll, it'll be a good one. A lot of big crowds and it'll be fun. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we'll, we'll talk definitely more about spring bass fishing here. But uh, Justin, obviously a lot of people, right? Great finish at the uh, the classic. Not exactly what you wanted, but hey, a top three is. Uh, it's pretty it's good. a good finish, you know. I mean, the practice that we had was absolutely miserable. I mean, even the last day of practice, not the official day, but the official day it rained and was cold. But the last day of our three day practice, it was so cold. It was like twenty three degrees when we launched our boats, and it. 12 31 o'clock your guides and your reel would still freeze up have ice on your line and it was it was miserable and if you would have told me that i was going to finish third 
after the practice, I would have been ecstatic. Now, going into the last day, you know, you always want to get, you always think you got a chance to win. And Gussie, we, just about everybody thought he was going to go out and catch five smallmouth again. He, he, he made it look a lot easier than it actually was because nobody else could do it. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And you had, you know, I, I've, I've said it a lot and Clint Davis says, says it a lot. And we've got great smallmouth fishermen on every tour, on the elites, on the Bass Pro Tour or whatever. But if you, I mean, with Seth and the Johnson boys and all them can win tournaments anywhere we mm-hmm. go, they're, they're smallmouth. But if you if they're smallmouth in a in a reservoir, Gussie's going to figure out how to catch them. I just think he's the best in the world at trying to figure at figuring smallmouth out. He's not always going to win, but he's always going to be right there when there's dang smallmouth involved. Sure. Yeah, it was interesting because I <clears throat> I was there for day one and day two and went to like the expo, did some of that backstage media stuff. Got to say hi to you super quick uh, yeah. on day two when you were in the mix. Obviously, you were busy because you were you were getting ready to, for Super Six interviews and all that stuff. So it was just a quick hi. But uh, flying back Sunday and like watching it on Fox on the plane on Delta. So thank you Delta for having Fox <laughs> on the uh, the flight and then you know the live broadcasts waiting at airports and things like that. It was like wow, this is this is this is getting close. And then like you're making a surge and then. Uh, I had the lead uh, for a making while, a surge, you know, not on right. bass track, but I had all my weight. You know, I was yeah. under a little bit, and I had the lead for a little while. And I yep. really didn't know I had the lead, but I really thought I would have another an opportunity at another big one later in the day, and it just never happened. But uh, yeah, I I, 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 I think I read or listened to your interview or listened to some. I listened to Alabas last week, and you that was your first classic, right? Yeah. Yep. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool okay. too. Yeah, and I, I don't know if you heard that, but it was like I kept feeling when I was watching that afternoon that like there was going to be a Takahiro moment, like one of you three guys, right? Like you, Schmidt, or uh, I guess who else was right there? Um, I forget. <clears throat> um, thought like one of you was going to roll into the right little pocket or the right little stretch, and they were going to spinnerbait or a square bill or something, and you were just going to pop two, three and a half, four pounders, and it was going to be like almost like that. I knew it moment, right? And I don't know, it just never happened. You know, it's a uh, it was a weird day. They cut the dam off on the lower end, and there was a lot of water coming in. Like the the pockets that I was fishing, like at lunch, really they started it started backing water into them real hard, like. Hmm. pushing water in the water was rising real fast and you know everybody thinks that's great or a lot of people think that's great and i've always hated rising water hmm. to, like around here when the water's rising to catch them i'll have to go to where it's coming from way up a feeder creek where there's fresh water coming in or up to the tail race of a dam or something it's really pumping it in and you can catch them but on the lake part it just i don't know what it does to them it messes it messes them up to me Especially like in the springtime, top water bites and stuff, because it just puts more water over their heads. And right. uh, I think they pull out. Or they either put their, they don't put their nose on cover because I'm a, I love flipping. They they pull out or something. I really don't know. But it, that I think that's what shut it down. The water temperature temperature was what we needed. We just needed stable water conditions. Right, <clears throat> or at least not as quick or yeah or you needed that water to get there <laughs> oh if it would have last week right if it would have if, if the water would have came up when it was cold and then you got the warm right then yeah. it might have been like if lights it would have been a foot <laughs> higher where there was more cover in the water you know though that would have it would have been better fishing but it might have been worse for me because a lot more guys would have been able to figure out areas to catch them then right 
that's a tough fishery. Uh, I mean, I, I went there a couple of years ago and had a good tournament and, and I like it, but it's a tough fishery for sure. Yeah. And that was, you know, we went from winter to spring really fast there. So like this, yes. you know, like, but, but the, out, we always want that warming trend, but I feel like when it goes that violent or that sudden that yeah. also like the fish, it's too much too fast. And I think they kind of like, they almost just like put the brakes on and like want to wait it out to see what's happening. Like, right. One thing about it that it was interesting to me is that it had been warm for a couple of weeks. It had been warm there right. up until we got there for that bad cold front. And I think a lot of fish had already pushed up and made that push shallow. And there was a bunch of fish shallow because like the very first day of practice, I mean, hmm. I only caught like six keepers, but I caught, 20 or 30 fish just fishing shallow all day mm. and it was they were biting pretty good up there shallow but that cold front just you know the water temp dropped by eight degrees and it just it shut them down a, a lot but i i think a lot of fish had already made that push and you know it wasn't like sight fishing but i think some of the fish that we were catch that i was catching were up there trying to spawn i mean interesting prosnick says he, he knows that some of his were spawning hmm. i missed a fish the first day of the tournament and I rolled it up on top of the water and it was a good two and a half pounder. I thought, and the second day I made the exact pitch and caught a two and a half pounder on the exact side. And I, I mean, I think he was up there spawning myself. Now I don't know that a hundred percent, but I think it was. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I definitely don't have the experience. I did hear some people from the area say that, no, I'm, you know, the majority of them don't, spawn until the water hits a certain stage there so. exactly that's the way acusa river used to be like yeah. here at logan martin and stuff they do a winter drawdown just like they do up there and we used to catch tons of sight fish like in may because that's when they bring the water up and those large mouths would flood the banks in these last six or seven years i've won two tournaments like the first week of march or something sight fishing you have two or three warm weeks and now just some of them will come up and we Maybe that we never looked back then. Sure. I don't know. I mean, but it seemed like you'd see them if we were fishing shallow. Maybe we were just fishing for spots all the time back 10, you know, 20 years, 15 years ago or whatever. But there's definitely a change here that I've noticed about fish spawning a little bit earlier. And we've introduced Florida strain bass mm. in our lakes, you know, and that, that could be one of the big deals too that's changed it because it was all northern largemouth. Right cool so now that we're we're definitely in the spring like uh i think winter like hopefully winters i don't know, hopefully you guys i mean like tomorrow like up here like and then friday we're finally i think going to get above freezing and not return back below freezing and we might start. but like i think the the late hanging on winter is probably done for all of the southeast now after the week before the classic there so now spring fishing and I feel like this is a little bit your wheelhouse and like not, not saying you can't catch them a lot of different ways, but I think if you had your druthers, right, you, you like to, to power fish, shallow jigs, yep. spinnerbait, buzzbait, like that's your, like that's your yeah, dam. That's my deal. Yeah. That's what I'd rather do most of the time. <clears throat> so for people maybe uh, in the Southeast, like what, what are the, the three or four like absolute going to have on your deck just about anywhere you go right now? Uh, you're going to have a stick worm. I mean, a salt lick or, you know, people, a Senko. You're going to have that weightless worm, uh, stick worm on your deck all times in the spring. Mm -hmm. Depending on where you're at, uh, but you're going to have some sort of top water. You know, if you got a lot of spots, like we have on the Coosa River, I like a walking bait. I'll throw a big spook or something mm -hmm. a lot. 
if you're fishing a reservoir that's all largemouths, you're going to slow down and have, you know, a pawpaw or something like that on your deck. Yeah, covering water, I'm going to have me a buzz bait on. Got the right weather conditions, I'll have a spinner bait. But, uh, you know, I'm a big flipper, but, you know, when fish are spawning, that the, the flipping is not the deal. A swim jig works really good, but flipping soft plastic. I'd have my favorite soft plastic on, whether it be a tube or some sort of creature bait. You know, that would be my go-to. Nice. So what, I know you're like a big buzz bait guy. Um, yeah. What is, like, are you more of a skirt, more of a toad? Uh, I'm a toad, 90 or 80% of the time a toad. And, you know, the Carolinas guys are the ones that, really started at say Andy Montgomery probably was maybe the first person I seen doing it. Uh-huh. And then, you know, I finished second in two cups, two of those four squid cups, pretty, pretty much throwing a toad. And the first one I was throwing a quarter ounce locker lower and you was having to glue the toad up to the head and stuff. And then I, I designed, I had a buddy of mine that was a machinist and I designed a buzz bait. And I was throwing it where you could put the toad all the way over the head and it holds it. And we actually came out with it after that second cup and dirty jigs. It, yes, the Canterbury Pro, Pro Buzz. And uh, I had used that a bunch before we ever came out with it. But yeah, that's the toad. That's the one that I throw 90% of the time now. Whether it's got a toad on it or a swim bait on it, if there's a lot of spots, I like putting a swim bait on it. Sure. Uh, a fluke. I mean, any put your favorite bait on there the toad has the flat bottom especially like our we just came out with that bf toad at net, net bait and it has that flat bottom and you can put it on a quarter ounce the quarter ounce pro buzz is my favorite probably you put it toad on there and it's not a quarter ounce anymore i mean it's like right. five eight so it throws like a rock into the wind with the wind it doesn't matter like it does with the skirt on there and with that toad on it you can skip it like i can skip that up under docks or up under pontoons or I can get it way back in places that you can't get many baits, really and truly, and it and it catches a lot. I've caught a ton of fish on it, uh, so I'm gonna have that on just about. There's one tied on in my boat all the time. I threw it a bunch in the classic. I threw it day three, and it really hurt my feelings when I came in. Just at the weigh-in, Cobb had like 12 pounds that third day, and he didn't have a fish. I don't think till like 10 or 11 o'clock, and I had all my fish by lunch. And he said he caught them all on pro on his on a buzz toad that day a buzz bait with a toad on it i think he throws a green fish one but uh i don't he was down the lake and all the way down the lake a lot further and i just never did get around those bites because i i kept them honest i i was expecting that bite to really turn on and catch a couple of big ones on it yeah that's that's what you needed <laughs> one yeah. one or two more bites <laughs> just one four, and then i probably four, wouldn't be able to get you on the show been, so it yeah, worked out it for me so close so. I've been close uh, in several of those big ones, though. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is kind of a good question. Are you are you the type that likes to test it early and get on that first buzz bait bite, like when it's in the? How early will you start throwing? Fifty-two a buzz bait degrees. Fifty-two what? degree water temp if the water is warming. The water has to be warming, and it's got to be you know fifty-two or so. The best buzz bait bite, or my favorite buzz bait bite, is probably a pre-spawn buzz bait bite. And that's, you know, I finished second in the second tournament I ever fished with FLW. I won 50 grand at, at Smith Lake, and I caught them on a buzz bait in that one, and nobody ever dreamed about it. But those fish, those big fish get up there sunning. You know, I mean, I've seen bass on the bed. 
And I got buddies that have seen them in, in like 56, 54. But I've seen bass on the bed at 57, 58 degrees like several times. But those bass get up there in that shallow water and they're sunning a lot of times trying to warm their eggs and everything. And and you get a buzz bait above them. I mean, you get some ferocious bites pre-spawn. It doesn't last very long because once they start doing, once they actually start spawning, that bite dies off. They may hit at it or something, but they don't get it. But pre-spawn buzz bait bite is probably my favorite. So besides like that 52 to 54 window, is there anything else you're looking for? that gives you an idea or you just test it to see if it's happening or what? what I just test it. I mean, I have to test it. Yeah. You know, I, both those cups were in like August and I was fishing a buzz toad around brim beds or in shade of docks. Uh, I've done really good at different, like watch it on it. I've, I've caught them all over the country on it, but, but the pre-spawn deal is just something that you have to keep it in your hand, you know, and it's not like a bite you're going to get bit on it at daylight. I mean, I may not get it out of the box till 10 or 11 o'clock till those mm-hmm. fish really position herself up shallow. And a lot of, you know, not I, I, just a lot of guys, weekend fishermen or whatever, it sort of blows their mind a little bit when I talk about throwing a spook. Like two or three weeks ago, I went to Logan Martin and I had 15 or 20 bites on a spook. And it was all from 11 o'clock to 3 o'clock. You know, it's like, when the sun gets up and those fish get up there shallow, a lot of people are putting their top water up as soon as the sun comes out. And that's, that's not the right, necessarily the right thing to do. A lot of times you don't get many bites, but if I catch one on a buzz bait at 12 o'clock, usually it's one that you're going to put in a box and going to help you at the end of the day. Absolutely. <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's the same kind of theory, right? Like with, with Dean and his, his frog, right? He doesn't always get a ton of bites, but, you know, if he's throwing Dean, that frog Dean, midday, it's yeah. It's, and he talked about it a lot. You know, over the years, I I was so I was sort of mesmerized by him fishing that frog back in the day, and it's the same thing. But he he actually will throw it all day long for that two hour window, and it right. may be from ten to twelve or eleven to one or whatever. But there's a two hour window that he may get all of his bites in. And uh, some days it's that way. And then some days you just catch them all day long. I mean, really and truly are scattered out. You get one or two early, one or two midday. And then, you know, when shade line gets right, it gets positioned fish. Yeah. You catch one or two late in the day. But uh, yeah. it's just like putting a jig in my hand. I mean, it's my confidence bait and I can go do it. I can put a buzz bait in my hand for an hour and throw it. And if I get a bite or two, the only thing wrong with that, if I get a bite or two, I may have, I may be stuck with it in my hand the rest of the day. But usually it's the right one. So but if you get that third bite, you know it's game on. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's no longer a fluke. It's going down. That's right. Uh, so I guess while we're talking buzz baits, uh, not, not that, sorry. Um, what, what's your rod reel line setup? Are you a braid guy? What kind of, like, what's your setup for? Yeah, I throw, I'm on a braid. And, uh, I mean, I throw it on. My signature series rod from Halo, a 7.3. And I, I have thrown it on bigger rods, like a 7.6, but, mm-hmm. and I've thrown it on a 7-footer in the, back in the day. But that 7.3, and that rod, we built that rod pretty much to throw a chatterbait on and stuff, but it's got a good soft tip so you can present the bait really good in its tight areas. But it's got a lot of backbone, and uh, I'm a braid, all the, always a braid guy. The thing about a buzz bait, you know, we used to miss a lot of fish or have a lot of fish blow up and 
not get the bait. And I think that's the plastic. I think that's the deal with that toad. You don't have as many bites that don't get it. Now, like spots here at the house don't like it as much. Mm -hmm. But when a bass eats a topwater or eats anything, really, but only way he don't have hands to put it in his mouth. So he's sucking water in through his gills. And when he blows up on a buzz bait, like when he didn't have that body of a plastic, he had skirt. I don't think he could get a good a suction to get the bait in his mouth. Mm. But with that solid body, I mean, it's just a lot better hookup ratio. Yeah. And I don't throw a trailer hook hardly ever on it. I have before, like um, Lanier. I finished second at Lanier in the cup, Forcewood Cup. And I was I had to throw a trailer hook there a little bit because they were, I mean, I didn't do it all the time. But I had some fish miss, and I, I did end up putting a trailer hook on it. It's really hard with that frog body to keep a trailer hook on there yeah. and keep it without getting your feet and all that stuff. But I did catch a few doing that. But I, and then when you I, do, I try not to throw a trailer hook on it. And when you do burn through a toad, right, then it's a whole nother process to get it done. Got to get the trailer hook off, and then you got to really, like, it's, it's yeah. kind of a pain. <clears throat> Yeah, um, it, I would say normally different. if I'm throwing a, a skirted one, I normally always throw it. But when I'm throwing a toad, it's like, like <laughs> I'd prefer not to. And you don't miss many with it with the toad on that really and really. Yeah. So yeah, I don't I don't put it on a trailer hook on it very often. But if like you said, if I'm throwing a skirt, just about always got a trailer hook on it. Yeah. And what's your theory on color of blades, bodies? Do you always start with one? See what the fish say. Yeah, like, I mean, and you know, it's pretty much a watercolor deal, but I usually, I'm either like silver blade with a white toad most of the time or a black blade, black blade with a black toad. That's my number one and two choices. There's times that I'll put a brim colored on or something. And the only other one that, that the, we, we make a green blade and I've caught some on it. But the one that I really like a lot, and I've caught a bunch of fish on it, is I throw a red bladed with a black toad on it. And I don't know what it is about the red blade, but I've caught a bunch of fish on that combination. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and you like the toad and the pre-spawn too then? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think it helps you keep that keep the bait up. You don't have to wind it as fast a lot of times. Yeah. Like I used to, I'm a buzzbait junkie. I've got right hand blades, left hand blades. Uh, I used to take half ounce buzz. Back in the day, I used to take my lunker lures apart and I'd take the half ounce blades off and put it on the quarter or the three eighths buzzbait so I could wind it at a slower speed. You know, the bigger blade, you just help you keep it on top more. It catches more wind so it doesn't cast as well, but you, right. you can keep it on top at a slower pace. And I did do that a lot. I've, I've played a lot with buzzbaits, clackers, and a little bit of everything. And my go-to, like I said, is the Canterbury Pro Buzz. But, and it's quarter or three-eighths is the only ones that I throw unless I'm fishing like at Gunnersville or Pickwick and I'm fishing huge, expensive grass flats and I'm just making real long casts and then I'll throw the half-ounce one so I can throw it further. And it's got a bigger blade on it where you can keep it up really easy. But if I'm target fishing the banks, I throw a quarter and a three-eighths. And a three-eighths is probably – quarter was my favorite for forever. Mm -hmm. And I've got – I've leaned toward the three-eighths more now. But if I'm having to skip it up under pontoons or docks or something, I go back to the quarter always. 
What what gear ratio? Do you like a seven? Seven, or? three to one. I'm a I've been with Ardent Reels for gosh, I don't know, ten years or so. And I use the Apex Grand. I mean, I've I've tried I've used all their reels. They got eight one, but that Apex Grand, the white reel, seven three to one is probably my favorite reel of any of them. I mean, I use a six five to one, like if I'm cranking. Or if I'm throwing a big spinner bait or something that's got a lot of resistance, but if it's not that, I'm using a seven three to one just about on everything. Nice. I think I think Clay. I think it was a buzz bait with the 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 four. I mean, the Lake Murray was largely a buzz bait, right? Yeah, yeah. I caught him on a buzz bait. It was. I mean, I caught some on. A, I didn't fish the prop bait. That Washita tournament. That may be the one they're talking about with the prop bait. Everybody sure. was catch- I caught some there, but I didn't make a run at the ch- cup or nothing. Yeah. But I caught them on a prop bait there, and I was throwing a prop bait some at Lanier, but my fish came on a buzz bait and a drop shot. I caught nice. some big spots on a drop shot. Um, so here's critical gravy wants to know any sneaky bait out of the ordinary stuff you like to do in the spring, like not meat. There's like, a few got- things, but I mean, you know, I and and I learned it from other guys. But like, I, I've got to where I throw the wobble head a, a good bit, you know, sure. and I put a mini kicking bee on it, which is my favorite trailer for swimming a jig. It's just a small creature bait. It's got the legs sort of mm-hmm. like, um, sort of like a speed crawl or something does behind it, but it's a flat body and you can sort of wind that along pretty good. And, uh, catch, I've caught a lot of fish on that, but that's a, uh, I guess that would be a sneaky bait because nobody talks about the wobble head as much as it should be i mean that's that bait catches a lot of fish do you ever uh, mess around with like the the like the long a long minnow wake baits or anything yeah, like that yeah i've got a i've got a whole box of wake baits i think the long a is probably you know that's the original and it's probably it may be the best it's more subtle but i've got like the supermans and the stuff that are uh brian's bees makes them and yeah, a lot of different people have made them now, but I've got a bunch of those. I've got a whole box of those wake baits. I'm not. I've caught some fish on it, obviously, but I'm not those guys like Wesley Strader and Brad Knight. Those East Tennessee guys really sure. excel in that wake bait and stuff, and they catch them on it. Man, I've been around Wesley and Brad, and those guys just killing them on it. And and I catch some, but I don't have the success that they've had with that. That's a pretty good question from Bassman. Obviously, you know, you, you've been right there in a couple classics and a couple cups and, you know, those summertime cups and this last classic, I would, they, n- none of them were lights out fishing. A lot of them were grinder events. Uh, what, what, what kind of advice can you give for, you know, staying focused when you're limited on your bites? You know, I like, I like those tough tournaments. I mean, if you can figure out a little deal, that's the ones that's easier to do good in. Uh, win y'all bay i missed winning that one by a few ounces a few years back but you know and I, i've helped a lot of these high school kids and teams uh odenville here and moody high school and some of these boys like dalton head yeah. he's gone and he's at montevallo now he just won a national championship and then he turned around and won at cherokee last week and one thing that i tried to preach to them you know Everybody wants to be fired up and the tournament starts and go out and they're going to go to their first two or three spots. And man, they're, they're wide open about how they're going to catch them and they're staying focused. But the most, I mean, I I tried to preach it 
a lot. Like that last hour of the day is just as important as the first hour. Yeah. I mean, you got to make the right cast. You got to make, you got to stay focused just like you would the last hour of the day as you do the first hour. And all we're looking for is five good bites. I mean, five bites. That's the only drawback, I guess you would say, to it may be what's kept professional bass fishing from getting the the where some of the guys wanted it to be. You know, guys wanted mm-hmm. it to be like golf or something, the money. And and bass fishing is really just not a spectator sport. You got to have 15, 10 or 15 or 20 cameras going just to keep action going to keep people interested in it. You follow me around bass fishing, especially in the classic. You followed me all day in the classic, and I'm catching them on a jig or a spinnerbait with 20-pound line. And now I had some exciting moments. I got a couple wrapped up in trees, and stuff happened, and it, and it made it really exciting. But you follow me around for an eight-hour period, and I catch six keepers. I mean, even one that got me wrapped up in a tree might have lasted I don't know. I got the video. I can go back and look 15 to 20 seconds. Right. You know, I was excited for a little bit longer than that, but the the excitement of that fish being on the line was 15 or 20 seconds. So it's, you know, that's what I live for. And that's what makes me want to go back to do it again. But excitement for getting people who aren't fishermen to watch it is not that big a deal sometimes. But, you know, the, the part to staying focused is just like I said, I, I think, I think that's, there, there's a lot of great fishermen, especially, you know, here, I know all over the country, but here in the South, there's some guys that could definitely have, have could have done, went pro, could have, if they wanted to, had the opportunities and they didn't, you know, pursue it as much. And it, it going, be a professional fisherman wasn't something that I thought about doing you know, 20 years ago, I wasn't thinking about going and fishing professionally. Even when I was fishing like the Strands or Everstarts, which is now the Toyotas and stuff or mm-hmm. the Opens, I was fishing those tournaments because I like fishing tournaments. I needed something for that competitive edge. Right. And I wasn't fishing those at one, you know, when I started fishing them, I wasn't fishing those to qualify and move on to higher ranks. It just seemed to work out. And I really, I love the tournament fishing. I love, um, <clears throat> the the competition it filled that that edge you know i mean i played all the sports that we had in our high school back in the day football baseball basketball I played everything and i needed something to feel that competitiveness and that that did it but i don't know it was it, it went once i got there and was able to do it professionally it was just something that seemed like i was where i needed to be there was a couple of times that it got close, and I mean, I almost quit just two or three years into it back when FLW, before we changed the rules, and people, you could legally, I mean, in not breaking any rules, you could get all the help you wanted, and I didn't know, I mean, like, I I was traveling with Jay Ellis and room with him, and Jay, I was sort of under his wing, you know. Sure. He showed up for our three-day practice, or I think we might even had four-day back in the day, I can't remember, but he would show up for that from Oregon, and would practice and fish the tournament. He didn't go pre-fish none of the lakes or nothing, but, and uh, I went to, you know, we had one here at Gunnersville, and I said, hey, before it goes off limits, I'm going to go up there and ride around and fish some. And 
half the field was up there. Mm. And I mean, it was crazy. Like when I got there to the parking lot, I said, man, it's only an hour from my house, but there was like the tournament was going on. And this is a month before this is before it goes off limits. And all of our guys were there while well, I'm out fishing and half of them are riding around with guides. They pull up and mark spots and go to another spot and pull up. And it, it, you know, I almost gave it up at one time, but every time I said, man, if, if I don't do good in this tournament, I said, I'm done. I mean, I'm done. It seemed like I would do good and it was just right. where I was supposed to be. And it created a platform that gave me the opportunity to speak to a lot of different people. And I mean, hopefully I've changed, you know, I'm not Gerald Swindle by no means at talking to people, but hopefully it's helped some people out. I've spoken at a lot of schools and high schools and colleges yeah. and stuff. It just created that platform and gave me the opportunity to do that. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think mental resiliency is what keeps guys that are and gals that are just good fishermen from being good tournament anglers. There's a lot of people that right. I know that you, you don't have the pressure of tournament fishing. They'll catch them flat out all the time. As soon as you put some pressure and, and, and like hours or parameters around it, they yeah. like tense that's, up. That's and sort like of what did. I was getting at. You know, there's a lot of guys that don't even tournament fish that have that capability of doing it for sure. But when it comes to that tournament fishing, it's, it's, I mean, when you get to the level of the Bass Elite or the Bass Pro Tour, every one of those guys can cast. I'm not the best caster on tour by no means. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, it's more between the ears than it is anything. It's the decision-making and how you plan. You can't really plan your day out. I mean, it, you can plan a starting spot or two, but you've got to go with your gut every day. You, I've tried to say, man, I'm going to be here at 10 o'clock. I'm going to leave there at 1030. I'm going here. I'm go and I'm going to try to run that, and it doesn't work. The only time that will work out is like on a tidal reservoir if you can run the tide. Right. And I, I mean, I'm, I don't run the tide. And when we go to those tidal reservoirs, I try to find an area that's got bass and I fish through every tide till I can catch them. And I think that's the best thing for me to do. But you got guys like Iconelli who are, I mean, it just blows my mind to see him run 40 miles and catch them as the tide starts moving and he can follow it along away up at Potomac River. He can run with it and win the tournament just by chasing different fish the whole time at a certain tide because he figures out what tide the the big ones are biting best. Sure. Nice. Yeah, that's uh, a few. Uh, Carl says he's a huge fan. Love seeing you on the other Scott's channel. Yeah, that's the SM. That's the SM SMC channel. That's Scott, Matt, and Canterbury. Yeah, that makes you know, sense. It's not, it's not nothing like Scott Martin channel. It's the SMC. Scott, Matt, and Canterbury. We've made it. Steve says he likes it when you when you jump out and, and scare the other ones. <laughs> I'm sure we try to have a good time, and it's been fun. I've enjoyed that, and they're, they're both great fishermen. I mean, Matt yeah. sort of blows both of our minds. If Matt, if Matt loved bass fishing as much as I do, he's, he'd rather turkey hunt or even deer hunt probably than bass fish. But if yeah. he loved it as much as I did, he would be, I mean, he'd be Jacob Wheeler. Yeah. It seems like genuinely just a good house, like good we vibes. Have a good time, which, yeah, for sure. It's fun. And we try to be informative. Scott really comes up with some good stuff and uh, he, he knows how to make the content worth being hanging around for. 
absolutely. Bob says uh, he can't count how many five pounders he's caught on the your jig. So I've caught a lot on it. I weighed in thirty two one on my jig at Santee Cooper. So uh, it's a uh, it's a gr- good jig for sure. And I use all of dirty jigs baits. Right. And the classic. I was actually flipping a Matt Heron jig. So I, I mean, it was just that I wanted when I'm flipping like laydowns or rock i like the matt heron jig if i'm fishing more stuff where my bait's gonna get hung i go to my jig they both got their own uh features <laughs> yeah i guess can you can you give us any insight on uh scott's uh <laughs> scott is living in a gym he has been a fanatic he's a crossfit every okay. when we're at at the classic he was driving he was going to these CrossFit classes for an hour at a time while we were out of fishing. When we'd get through fishing or whatever at night, he'd run and go do CrossFit for an hour. And he's eating healthy. Uh, he nice. is not eating a lot of fried foods, and he is uh, eating a lot, of, drinking a lot of protein shakes. He's got, he's tried about every protein shake there is, and he's got one that he really likes now. And I tell you, he's lost forty three or 44 pounds. I need to lose some. I don't want to lose 40 pounds, but I do need to lose some. And I'm trying to, trying to get on his level a little bit. It's just uh, the eating healthy is good for me. Uh, I need to do it a little more. And tonight I blackened some crappie that I caught yesterday and had that and some rice and it was really good, but it's just me and my wife here. My daughter's gone to school at Tuscaloosa. She's in Alabama and it's hard just to cook every night for two people. We go out to eat too much. Yeah. Well, hopefully the, on the nights now that Scott makes dinner, right, that uh, he gets yeah, some healthy influence at least one night a week. If we can get him week, to make right? dinner, yeah. He's too busy filming. That, he's rigging tackle till 11 o'clock at night. Now he can, he don't have time to – he brings a workout bench in his boat hmm. and, like, dumbbells from 10 to 40 pounds, and, like, instead of cooking, he's going to go out and work out. He's going to go – I mean, every day he's got it in his boat and all his dumbbells in the truck at every tournament we've been to. And he'll go find CrossFit. Hmm. You got to want it. He wants it right now. He looks and he looks good because of it. Yeah, for sure. A lot. You hear a lot of people mention it, and like you just chat or comment. People are definitely noticing. So. Oh yeah, for sure. All right. What worm do I like? And it's my favorite. And it's a net bait, the uh, T Mac worm. I like. I mean, I throw it all the time. It's pretty much like a. the zoom what trick worm just like trick a trick worm, worm steak but it doesn't have all that salt in it so the core i use the canterbury shaky head from dirty jigs tackle and if you screw a worm up on a zoom the core comes out of it all the time because it's shot soft mm. down the middle of it and ours is more solid the worm floats a little bit better because it doesn't have all that salt in it it's the only worm i throw just about now i mean i use their you know like the c-mac and stuff bigger worms out deep but if, if I'm Texas rigging or I'm shaky head and I throw a T-Mac from NetBait, appreciate nice. that. That's been a good seller for me. That shaky head is, has caught a lot of fish all over the country. So on a, on a spinning rods, are you a braid to floral guy? I am. Yeah, I use. And, and I've changed a little bit this year. I used to use like 615, 16. Even I've used 20-pound braid. But... I'm, I'm going down to 12. I'm down to 12-pound braid now. It's just a lot smaller, cast a little bit further. 
And most of the time I'm using an eight or 10 pound leader anyhow. But even if I want to use a 12 pound leader or something, I'm still just going to use the 12 pound braid. Even if I want to go to a 15 pound leader, I'm still going to use 12 pound braid. That braid is strong. You don't have to worry about it. And it just helps you on your hook sets. Plus all the twists that you get in, a, in your line with a spinning reel, you know, throughout a day. But you can put line, I can put braid on my reels or I did it, you know, two tournaments ago, I put braid on and it probably be good for the whole year. Just changing yeah. leaders. Maybe if you're lazy like me, it might last three years. <laughs> it, it would last three years. But well, I, when I only I'll fish for five months a year, I can get three years out of it. So it, I, it would last three years, uh, but I change it. I, I've been using that Spinex braid from uh, P line now. And it's really good. The P line braid that we had, it was Teflon coated like I use on my bait casters. I didn't like it as much on a spinning reel because it would bury down in the spool when you caught a fish or something. But that spin X braid is really, really good. And then it's got like one meter, three foot of blue. And then it's got three foot of red. And one of those two colors is going to show up no matter if it's mm. cloudy or sunny or if the water's dirty or clear, you're going to have one of those colors. And then when you have that swap in the color, it's easy to detect your bites too, like on a Senko or something like that. If you're fishing it weightless, you'll see that jump you'll see the line jump when you have that change of colors nice and do you mess around with braid to floral on cat because like i use it for all spinning but i cannot get on like the seth fighter bandwagon I, using that big cast. I guess it was last year at the harris chain i caught a and like an eight nine or something on day two of that tournament flipping lily pads and i caught all of my fish in that tournament using 40 pound braid hmm. and a 17 pound leader fluorocarbon leader and i was flip instead of you I, I changed instead of using my flipping stick i was using a 7.6 canterbury uh x medium heavy rod which is a swim jig rod so it was a little softer rod than i flipped with and sure. i'm telling i loved it for that for the lily pads i absolutely loved it and i did it again this year when we were in florida so it's something that i'm playing with but fishing like the classic, if I'm fishing docks or wood, and there's not vegetation involved. I'm just a straight fluoro guy. Nice. Yeah. I, I like to jerk too hard. I think that might be the thing is I've never went to that lighter rod, and I just have trouble if I don't. like. I went to a look. That rod is it's on my swim jig rod. It's the Canterbury Series from Halo, and it, was, uh, it worked perfect. I mean, it would just load up. I didn't have to jerk super hard. But, I mean, I had to hit them pretty good, and, I mean, it mm -hmm. would load up really good, and I didn't have any trouble. Even that big one I caught, I mean, I just pulled, rushed him right through the pads, and he sort of just gave up when I got him to the boat. I mean, I think it's – I mean, it's something that I'll definitely play with some more. Yeah, cool. Tacklecraft wants to know if uh, you use the net bait dirt dog at all. I'm not even He's sure what that to is. Throw me a curveball. I don't. I don't even know what a dirt dog is. <laughs> He's he's one of those guys that's always looking for those odd, off the wall. They probably haven't made. I don't made know it. what it is. I don't. It's know probably anything. something that they discontinued 25 years ago. To be honest, yeah, it's I don't probably know. Something. I mean, that's just like the dagger. The dagger. I had a bunch of daggers, but they wasn't called a dagger back in the day, and they discontinued a long time ago. Sure. And nobody. And when they brought it back out, I guess flipping's a bigger deal now. Or punching's a bigger deal now than it used to be because that thing took over really good. It's a seven-inch split-tail trailer. I have not. And, you know, I got them to come back out with the twin-tail last year. We came back mm -hmm. out with it. That was another bait that was discontinued, and we had the mold sitting there. 
it's uh i like it better than a creepy crawler from zoom it's just almost the same thing but i like it better than the creepy crawler it's a heck of a swim jig trailer i've caught them on it on a football jig i've caught them doing a lot of a little bit of everything on that on our twin tail but i have not nice. used that seven inch split tail there you go well maybe it's might have to you know, have to get a pack and see I what, might what, have to try what tk is sneaking about and what he's sniffing about he might be i might have to try it out that's right <laughs> Uh, we came out we came out this year i guess last fall or something with finally the t-mac we've had forever yeah best worm i mean it's my favorite worm everybody around alabama stuff that's what every all of my buddies that's the only worm they throw just about. <laughs> and i finally came out with like the methylate and the pink and the other mm. you know the colors that are people throw for a regular trick worm fishing it weightless on top and stuff we came out right. with those and it's been a hit too very cool um, I mean, who got you into it? Was it dad, family, friends? Like, how did you get into it? Yeah, pretty much. You know, I grew I grew up fishing my whole life. My dad, I remember, you know, he had a little stick steer and aluminum boat. And I would run around with a crab net from Florida, you know, trying to net bass from, at the Coosa River and stuff. Even when I was a kid. So uh, my dad, my dad, if he was working, my mom, my brother's, my mom's brother, which is my uncle, he mm-hmm. took me like, now I fished with him my whole life. Probably fished with him more than I did anybody. I learned a lot from him, and you know that was just we fished. I mean, we cut, kept them. We ate bass. We did everything. I mean, that was back in the day. We we cut fished every weekend. I fished, and then when I got fourteen or fifteen, I wanted to start tournament fishing a lot. And I guess I was fifteen or sixteen, and an older gentleman, local guy that had pretty much won. He dominated around here. He was the first right. flipper ever around here and stuff and it was probably like 93 or 94 i got hooked up with him and i tournament fished with him probably the last eight or nine years that he was alive and stuff and uh that was probably the biggest mentor as far as tournament fishing and taught me how to really get into tournament fishing that was charles thomas cool nice hmm I guess uh, something back to the buzzbait. What what size braid do you like for buzzbaits? Forty pound most of the time. I mean, I've thrown yeah. it on fifty, and uh, I mean you can get away with smaller. But the thing is, is if you get smaller than forty, it's like it doesn't cast as good on a bait caster. It gets a lot of wind knots and stuff in it. I I usually stick to the forty or fifty, and I have no trouble at all. Yeah, I mean, you catch. Me. I've caught some big ones on it. I mean, Winyah Bay, I caught like a six and a. Or two sixes. I mean, it might have been a five, twelve, and a six, or something right there. And I mean, you know, I hit them pretty good. You know, I mean, that buzz bait. I guess it's sort of like a swim jig bite or something. I let them get it all. I mean, if I've had a bite or two, I and and I'm halfway used to it, I'll let them eat the bait and pull. And, mm-hmm. and I'll let, you know lay into them pretty good. So that forty pound test works really good. And it's just, I mean, I throw straight. You know, TCB eight braid from P line either the 40 yeah. or the 50 either one yeah <clears throat> for me 30 digs in like on a heavy hook set i don't know it will especially it's like i was talking about earlier that you know with that teflon coated line like a bunch of the lines are nowadays the slick and stuff uh and you know a lot of braid fishing casting is you know a four strand braid is a lot more coarse you hear right. it going through your guides and stuff more than you do the eight strands and stuff that's a lot slicker now and but that 
those coarser lines a lot of times cast a little bit better to me in wind and stuff. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so speaking of braid floral on swim jigs, are you like situational, all braid, all floral? What's I'm 90% or 95% braid, but we're swimming a jig Alabama style. I mean, if you've watched St. John's yep. River a couple of years, I catch them, all of my fish there, I'm swimming a jig working it like we do Alabama side. We're working the slack in the line, you know, from mm-hmm. like eight o'clock to 11 o'clock, just pop, pop, pop. And you're making your jig come through and we're watching them eat the bait. And that's been something that I work with, you know, work on a lot doing that swim jig and stuff. And anytime I'm in that vegetation, it's always bright. And I mean, I'll go 65, 50 or 65, 50 works really good. But going up to, Wisconsin to the uh, Mississippi River. I was just going to ask you this. Whatever, <laughs> it's a different deal, and that that's come into play a little bit more. I'm trying to learn a little bit of that around here too, and that's like the finesse swim jig from Dirty Jigs Tackle, and and you're throwing it out with a swim bait trailer on it, and we're just winding it, and that's more of a 12 or 15 pound fluorocarbon deal, straight straight fluoro, a little softer rod. It's a light wire hook. You don't really have to jack them. And I mean, it just hooks up really good. And up there, I mean, we caught, I caught tons of fish on it. And I've done it around here a little bit now. And it's something that I'm playing with a lot. So it's situational. But if I'm fishing vegetation that is exposed or, uh, you know, it's growing on top of the water. Emerging. See it, yeah. I'm fishing braid. If it's submerged vegetation like milfoil or something, I'll use fluorocarbon and wind through it. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, have, did you ever try to make the shake work up here? Yeah, and it, it didn't for me. It's, it's weird. Like, it, it didn't work. It doesn't work like at Okeechobee. It doesn't work. But but at St. John's River, they love it. Hmm. It's, it's a different deal. I don't understand. Like, like Fort, they love it. But you get out, you get in some places, and they will not bite it. You, but if you'll just throw it out and wind it. You can have a trailer that kicks on there. You can have a pocket crawl behind there, and you just throw it out and wind it instead of putting a lot of action into it, and they'll eat it. It's it's a weird deal sometimes. I don't know. I don't know why it I mean, is. All these places got shad, right? But they like do all these not pla- eat it certain places. Certain places yeah. they do, and I think it's more of like the water willow, the lily pads, mm-hmm. the places that it is you know the vegetation is exposed like it's growing out of the like the water willow grows you know it'll be eight or ten inches high and you're bouncing it through there and you're hitting limbs and you're hitting stuff and i think you're triggering fish to bite it whereas in up there we're fishing hydrilla or milfoil and those fish are set up to feed and you're i don't know they just don't like that action Hmm. i really don't know why but they don't interesting yeah i've always I was like, remember, because we we learned, like, I learned to swim jig the slow and steady, slow roll it. Yeah. And then watching TV, I was like, oh, man, I want to try that. And, like, I cannot get Tom him to Monsoor eat it up here. Probably, I mean, he made yeah. that, that you know, style of swim jig fishing famous. And Now, there is places in Wisconsin that they bought it. I haven't done it yet. I haven't figured it out. But Kirk, you know, that owned Dirty Jigs, he's caught some big ones up there doing that. The Alabama hmm. shake, he, after he comes down here and. He carried it back up there, but it's not everywhere. I mean, it's I don't know exactly yeah. what the deal was. He'd probably get mad if I was telling everybody, but I don't even know where he was at, but he did catch him, and he told me, he said, man, it works up here. Big ones bite it. And we but got some was, I don't even know here. where he was at. He don't fish lacrosse, so I don't know where it was at. Sure. 
What's your What's your favorite bladed jig trailer? You know, I mean, I throw a lot of different ones. I actually mm-hmm. got a box over there from Tackle Warehouse that I just got in tonight with some <laughs> new stuff that I've never seen before. And uh, but I've caught more fish on that little spanky from net bait than most. I mean, I throw the Zaco, the Zaco. Sure. I throw a little bit of everything. All the fish I caught on it in the, at the Classic had a little spanky on it. It's a little smaller profile, I think, and that, that bootdale helps keep it up a little bit in the water column sometimes. I don't know. Uh, I've caught them on a split tail spinnerbait trailer. I've caught them on, you know, a single. We, I used to cut a brush hog down and have the two twin tails behind it, and I've caught them doing that. I, I caught a bunch of fish doing that back in the day, and I built a trailer for Bruiser when I was with them. And they still sell it, called an Evil Twin. It's got a big, big old twin tail on it that runs just like that wood behind its chatterbait. Uh, there's a lot of different ones, and I guess it's more situational than everything, the action that they want. But if I just had to pick one that I'd go out and throw every day, and it, I mean, I try to fish with everything that I am sponsored by. They don't care. I mean, if right. I'm catching fish, they don't make me do, you know, I can throw anything I want. But if I had to go out and throw it, I mean, I'd probably have a you know different color, little spiky in with me for anything. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, if you guys think about it, hit the hit the like button, show the appreciation for Scott, the 2019 Bassmaster AOI for joining us tonight. Um, how are you doing for time, Scott? Oh, I'm good. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get a lot, few more call, uh, questions. We'll keep rolling if you're having a good time. Um, get about about nine. 20 or so to get close to my bedtime. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so are you a, uh, color-wise, do you, are you kind of person that keeps like green and black and blue and that's about it? Or do you got the whole rainbow of your favorite baits? Or like what's You your... know, that's that's a really good question. Uh, you know, I've been with Dirty Jigs. I was with Dirty Jigs longer than I've been with anybody. I was with sure. them before I even started fishing professionally. I've been with Dirty Jigs for 15 or 16. 16 years this year, I think. And they make more colors than any jig company in the, on the market, I'm sure. I mean, they have 67 different color swim jigs and stuff. And you can't carry them all. And a lot of them are regional. They work better in certain regions of the country. But you got to have your green pumpkins. You got, and I mean, I'm, I don't know what it is, but I'm a, I love green pumpkin and blue. I like black and blue. I like blue in a lot of my stuff. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I got my green pumpkins. I got my white always, you know, for swim jigs and stuff. Your shad colors, your brim colors, which would be, I got bluegill one, bluegill two, and then warm mouth. I got three brim colors, black and blue. On swim jigs and flipping jigs, I think I carry like eight different colors. Sure. But I've got every color skirt that they make. So I get replacement packs of skirts. And if I want to make a change, all I can do is pop a skirt off of a, I mean, if I want a black, blue, and purple, or a classic special, which has a, a real, it's got a real bright blue in it or something, or even if I want to go with hematoma, I can use a black and blue head and just put hematoma on it. I don't, I don't have to change the head as much. And a lot of things I do, I change, like I'll use a black and blue jig and 90% of the people in the country probably going to use a blue sapphire or a black with blue flake chunk on the back of it. I'll use a black and blue jig and probably put a green pumpkin chunk on the back of it. Change it up that way a lot. I'll use, you know, 
dyes and stuff and i'll change. give it some accent color with my trailers more than i do my skirts a lot of times but i do have the replacement skirts and i change them you know if it's watercolor deal if it's a real dirty water i'll go to the you know the red flake and stuff i'll try to get what colors that i do like in a bait i don't use a whole lot of oranges but if there's the right watercolor i'll use you know alabama crawl with a lot of orange in it and stuff so that's just stuff that i carry as my skirts with me yeah that I, dirty jigs they they've got a great history they make a ton of good jigs but i find their colors matt like do we really need 27 black and blues it seems like a bit much it's you know there's they're cutting back on that a little bit right now but it's amazing to see yeah the detail in their skirts like kurt wherever he would he he would design the formulas for these skirts and the way that they go on the jig i mean every one of them goes on there a certain way the bluegill or the yeah the bluegill goes with the orange throat down and stuff the warmouth has chartreuse on it, so it's got to be on the bottom side, not on the top side of it. There's a lot of detail goes into their jigs, and that's what's made them what they are today. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's kind of almost their calling at this point, but it's like. Yeah. If you just and tell the, somebody. And the go, c- different cut material is another yeah. thing. I mean, they have the fine cut materials on their finesse jigs, even my finesse jig, the Luke, the punching, the pitching jig. The compact jig series has that fine cut material. And a lot of times I like that material and I'll put it on a swim jig. I don't yeah. necessarily put it on a swim jig. I'll put it on my flipping jig, a bigger jig. The swim, I don't know about a swim jig because it's got such a fine cut. I like the bulkiness right. of the other. Then they, you know, they have 60 strand skirts and then 50 strand skirts. So there's a, there's a lot of detail goes into their equipment. Yeah, for sure. Um, see here alex asked a while ago what's is there any difference to you when fishing with a live camera versus no camera like no not really at all i like i mean that was one thing that we had about marshallers or no marshall i like having a marshall with me just for the fact that it keeps people from it keeps honest people from doing something like if you did catch a fish off the bed and it was not hooked inside the mouth or whatever you should got to show your marshal i like having a marshal with me uh it gives me somebody to talk to a little bit sometimes we'll have one that may talk a little too much or ask too many <laughs> questions and you just have to tell them but a camera guy is super quiet they never hardly say a word to you so i mean i actually i love having a camera guy with me because that means i'm usually doing pretty good uh, sure. The year I won angler, the year I had him for like five, the last five tournaments, I led it almost every tournament for the whole year there, there toward the end of the year. And that just means that you're doing good or you're having a good year or stuff. So uh, I do like having a camera guy. With right. me. Yeah. And that's kind of that same mental thing we're talking about. Like if, if a camera person's going to s- spin you out, you're probably not cut out for tournaments. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You got to just, I mean, like it's me against the fish. It's not me against Matt Heron because they're biting flipping. It's not me against Hackney because they're biting a jig and tree grass or whatever. It's me against the fish. And uh, that's that's all the, the only thing I've ever really thought about. It's not me trying to beat Scott Martin or Matt Airy. It's me against the fish. And that's all I worry about is if I can figure out the code, crack the code for the tournament or the like that's going on, 
and uh, catch, you know, somebody's going to catch big ones every time, but if you can crack the code and figure out how to get multiple, you know, plenty of bites, usually you're going to do pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, so the South Carolina swing coming up. We got Murray, which you've had some success. I don't know how much you fish it this time of year. You've had some good Never summer been there success. This time of year. Um, but at least you know where the boat ramps are. Uh, yeah. Definitely some experience on Danny Cooper. You know, and it's a, uh, you know, after watching Bass Pro Tour this week, it's sort of mind blowing to say the number that like has really got them and to say the numbers of quality fish they're catching. Sometimes, and I mean, it didn't matter. I mean, I've called them back when we used to go to Kentucky Lake and it take 20 pounds a day to get paid back in the day. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, I caught them. So, I mean, Sometimes people we don't like a slugfest where everybody catches them, and you like those tough grinder tournaments. But you just got to go do your part. You like it's you against the fish. The one thing, the one difference, and like you heard people that watch the Bass Pro Tour, you heard people talk like today and stuff. They were like, you know, I mean, there's there's 20 good points out here, and there's a lot of those guys are rotating them. And there's local guys fishing the same ones. And they, I heard two or three different of the anglers say, you know, there's only 20, 25 points that these fish are on. Well, they only got 40 on the water, 40 yeah. boats. I mean, we got 104 on the water every day. So it's it's a big difference when you go into a tournament like that. So it's not like we you can have those points to yourself when we're there. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of a lot of uh, boat boat number, your draw, your lucky draw of how you get called out has a lot to do. And that's weird. Like you really never hear people talk about it, but that determines the outcome of some tournament sometimes. I mean, not that I would have won the tournament or anything, but Mm -hmm. there's been people on my favorite starting spots. I mean, on lots of tournaments. And I mean, I watched Iconelli catch one every cast at Seminole. I mean, he beat me there by 50, 40 yards. I mean, I watched him catch him every cast and I just had to leave. So, I mean, it's, you know, that a lot of that, you know, I mean, he, he stayed there all day the first day. You got to give it to him the second day. You can't just, just because you're an early number than him the second day, you can't go sit there and tell him he can't fish it. So a lot of it's, you know, doing the right thing too. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think, I think it'll be cool because I think Murray will be a fun one to watch. I think it I, I think it'll be a fun one for you guys to fish, and I think it'll be a fun one to watch because I think we're going to see gonna a be ton a lot of things. Going on. Yeah, I mean, we're going to see buzz baits, we're going to see top waters, we're going to see flukes, we're going to see crank baits, we're going to see You're people see flipping. People catch them off bed. That's yeah, still, like, I mean, they're catching them off bed right now, but there's still going to be some on bed when we get there. You're going to see that. You're going to see them catching herring fish, and the, you know, I think the river is going to play more than mm-hmm. it is right now. And they're catching big ones. And Andy Morgan caught a six today up there. I mean, the, somebody the, caught an you know, eight. It's more of a shad of the deal. Days. Once you get up those yeah. rivers, it's more shad. Those herring live on that lower end get the water temp right and maybe a shad spawn when we get there yeah should be should be wide open and then you know i think there won't be as much variety on uh santee but bigs will be caught and there will be big bags it'll be interesting. Yes, like there will be so. big ones so yeah, i've been um, there i've been to santee with like in may and it gets tough and now we know how to fish better now than we used to but uh that lake can be can be brutal if you get there after the spawn and there's not a big shad spawn going on or something like that it can be brutally tough but there's too many big ones in there They're, these guys are going to crack the code i mean 
you're going to see some guys catch them a lot of different ways at that one too. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And then to see, we go like, to Lay Lake, which is here yeah. local to me. We go to the Coosa River, which is, I mean, somebody will figure something out that nobody around here does and probably win the tournament. But it'll be fun. I mean, I get the. I'm not going to stay at home for that tournament. I may come home for a night or two, but it's an hour from the house, so it'll be good. Yeah, and so is the Alabama River is your home system, or Coosa River? Yes, or, I sorry, Coosa. Coosa. Logan yeah. Martin is. I can be in Logan Martin 20 minutes. Nice. Lay Lake's below it. Neely Henry. We fished Neely Henry a couple of years ago. It's the worst tournament I've had since I've been with the elites. And it's an hour. It's an hour. It's 55, 50 minutes to the ramp at Neely Henry. It's about an hour to the ramp at Lay Lake. Hmm. I'm an hour and 20 minutes from Gunnersville. All right. Well, we're getting close to bedtime. We better get some serious questions here. Uh, Matt wants to know what. So when you're when you're not eating healthy like Scotty Martin, what what's your favorite frozen pizza? Man, I haven't had a frozen pizza in a long time. Uh, I can't even think of the name of the ones we used to eat, but it's probably just going to be pepperoni. Uh, but I, that we used to eat some. I don't even. I haven't had a frozen pizza in a long time. Is DiGiorno a pizza? Yeah. I yeah. think that's, that's one that, of them. That's that rising crust. That's that fancy yeah. frozen pizza. It's not delivery. Yeah, I like, it's I like the old thin crust ones too. We, we, if we're eating pizza around here, it's Carpinetti's probably. That's just a oh, local nice. pizza place. That's, they like voted one of one of America's best dive-ins or pizza dives or something like that. How important is gravy and biscuits to your tournament regiment? Not important. We're all Palomar biscuits. That's something we make there with the croissant rolls or croissant sheet and sausage and cream cheese. Uh, you can go on my Instagram and look at the recipe. There you go. So I, I, I put I it on my I put it on Instagram, but it's one pound of sausage. You brown it and you mix in one block of cream cheese. You mix it all up and then you just put it into the. You can use croissant rolls, the triangles, or you can get the dough sheet, which I'd rather do the dough sheet. Cut it in squares. Put you a spoon in the middle and fold it up. And cook it in the oven. That's that's a that's your biscuit right there. That's a Palomar biscuit. That's, that's it's almost like a breakfast sausage, uh, sausage biscuit wonton, almost kind of like you're like makes a little like ball, right? Yep. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah, you can. Those are really good. You can get your favorite sausage if you like it hot. Whatever you like, put in it. It's really good. We're gonna start doing it with some egg in it. Maybe add some more protein. And I feel like going. I must be. I must I'll get back to watching SMC a little more. I've been, I've been missing out. Yeah. We're all on this kick now. It's got, we're cooking, we're grilling salmon, chicken and salmon, doing, trying to eat healthy. Is anybody getting hungry now all of a sudden? No. <laughs> no, I don't think so. We got plenty of food. Matt brings some. Scott, Scott can't make Matt leave the snacks, though. Matt's got candy, Sour Patch Kids and stuff laying around everywhere. And I mean, always. And Scott is—he—he's done good though. He's got like—he used to go by and he'd pick the bag up, and now nah, I'm not gonna do it. He don't even hardly look at it anymore. He just walks right by it now, whether it's hmm. Jolly Ranchers, Sour Patch Kids, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Hmm. All right. Most important question of the night: Do you think Georgia and Bama are gonna face off again next if year? If Georgia can do their part, I do. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. Georgia they lost a lot last year. 
the, the best thing they got, you know, they got our coach from Alabama. So that was the best thing they've got. And boy, he's done a heck of a job. The dogs have been for real. And uh, hopefully, hopefully they'll get the match up again. I think they will probably. Uh, you know, we got got some new team. Not this year, but next year. We got Oklahoma and Texas coming in. It's going to step up the game a little bit more in the SEC. I mean, we'll get to play them a little bit in mm-hmm. regular season games, I think, after that. So, uh it's going to be interesting. This year should be – maybe it. I don't know. Uh, but, yes, I think they're probably – I haven't even paid attention to football too much since it's been over. Uh, we lost our quarterback. I don't even know who – we got to figure out who our quarterback's going to be. But we do have Saban, so I got confidence that we're going to be there. Nice. And I'm looking forward to it. I'll, I, I enjoy that. My daughter's at Tuscaloosa. Going to school, my wife graduated there. I went for a little while and until I got my boat down there. I did okay, but uh, yeah, football's good times. Tailgate, yeah, hanging out with like, friends. Fall, it's all good times. Yeah, once once uh once you wrap up in August, then then it's it's college football. You're right. You're all college in. You're football. going to the games. You're tailgating. You're having parties at your house. Like that's that's like. Yep, that's us. We either. If it's an away game, we're going to have it. Here. Well, we got one or two other buddies that like to have a game or two at their house, but usually we'll have it here. And I, I just, I love to cook. I mean, I'll cook for, we'll cook at a tailgate, and I'll cook for forty people sometimes. But here at the house, I can do it pretty easy because I got everything set up. But uh, we enjoy that. We enjoy football. Enjoyed basketball this year for the first time in a long time. We got put out in that lead eight, but uh, it was a re- we was number one team in the country. That's probably the first time Alabama's ever been ranked number one in basketball was this year. All right, last question here. Tackle Crab wants to know: Did you fish the L and L trail back in the day? I did. Yep. There you go. Bob Hamilton back at L and L. Yeah, that's a uh, that was a uh, good trail. We, Airport Marine puts on a trail. We still fish it and stuff. But <coughs> the only one is. Uh, there's a lot of good fishing trails in Alabama. I mean, yeah, I'm on sure. a bass trail. She does a phenomenal job. I get to fish the ABT 100s. I get to fish now. I got to fish with my buddy Terry Stevens from Florida. He comes up and fishes them all with me. The ones that I can fish, and uh, the the others we can't fish if you're a pro. And I think uh, Silicaga Marine puts on a trail here in Alabama. You can't fish it if you're a pro. But these we got a lot of tournament anglers here in alabama i mean there's some guys like just say will davis one that's yep. fishing the elites now he won i don't know i'd have I, you gotta get him on your show he won probably one hundred thirty thousand dollars last year fishing local here at alabama here in alabama it's hard to give that up to to go fish the elite i mean he won it was his dream so that's what i tell you if it's your dream to do it go do it i mean if you qualify go do it if it's your dream to do it if you're doing it off of something else, don't ever try to do it because it's not easy. I mean, our, we're going to spend $70,000 trying to make a living. Yeah, absolutely. No, we had Will back on in January. We always take care of the Bass Nation champs here. So, yeah, he's a good uh, one. He's a good kid. Yeah. Good. I call him a kid. I just knew him since he was a kid. He's a good young man. Uh, uh, heck, he's doing a great job. He's a heck of a fisherman, too. Yeah. Well, Appreciate your time, Scott. I'll probably keep streaming here for a few minutes, but uh, right. thanks for making some time, and uh, we I look forward to watching you. Questions. That was good times. I enjoyed it. Yeah, we look forward to watching you go catch them up on the South Carolina swing and lay lake and have some fun. There you go. And then we had to, we'll be heading up north before long. 
Appreciate it, and uh, hopefully we'll get on again one day. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. Thanks. See y'all. All right. There. Keeping Scott on his time budget so he gets the best. I thought that was fun. Uh, Scott's just a good dude. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I'm sure he knows how to live scope and, and has all that stuff on his boat, but you can tell he, he's passionate about, you know, uh, more traditional ways of bass fishing. So it's kind of fun and kind of a fresh perspective. Um, so that was fun. Um, before I forget, I want to make sure I thank Arsenal Fishing for uh, supporting the stream as usual and powering the channel. Uh, there's a new code down there for April for Omni Fishing. If you guys uh, haven't figured that out, uh, if you guys need to grab anything. I don't know what else. Any questions? I, I tried to get through most of them. There were some good questions we couldn't get to, but I also wanted to be good with Scott's time. Um, but uh, what else is going on? I think I saw early on with uh, Steve. Didn't you say you got some lithiums? What did you end up going with on your lithiums, Steve? Um Yeah, I did. It's true. How did you know that? Are you spying on me, Amy? Oh, Darius got an Omnia package today. What a boy. Very nice. Did you get anything exciting, Darius? <laughs> it is a free country, Steve. You can you can tell us what you got. Yeah, I, I don't think, I mean, I think there'll be, I mean, I think people will be using front-facing sonar at Murray just to kind of keep track of what the fish are doing and how they're pushing herring and where the bait is, but I don't think they're going to be like catching a ton of fish by looking at them on their sonar. Um, I think they'll be looking for how does the point set up? Am I seeing the bait? Am I seeing the herring? Um, but uh uh, I don't. I don't think we're going to be staring at our graphs as much. I think it's going to be a lot of things going on at Murray. Um, got you some some pro guides. Those are good. Um, JJ, yeah, we just let Scott Canterbury go. I think he might enjoy it. We talked, you know, buzz baits and swim jigs and all kinds of good stuff. You might have to go back and be part of the relay squad, replay squad, if you came in late, JJ. Um, do I have any mag draft tips? I would say that uh slow and steady right they're they're not a bait that you burn by any means um you can speed it up a little bit by adding a little bit of a like a nail weight to kind of but uh it is kind of a slow and steady thing um i don't i guess i haven't spent too much time doctoring my mag drafts i've had pretty good luck with them hooking up um i don't know maybe some other people got some ed can't say that I have any super secret mag draft tips. Um, yeah, well, Sukup's a good dude. I actually got to say hi to Big John in person again. I met him a few times now uh, at the Classic. Uh, makes sense. Uh, I throw my mag draft on uh, Dobbins XP 764, typically. Uh, who's winning? They just finished their two knockout rounds i want to say crochet won the group b i forget who won group a um uh, but they're catching them like i mean it's the guys that are winning the rounds have like 40 low 40 pounds to make the cut it's been right around what like 30 to 33 i mean so it's it's been pretty good i mean i mean good fish catching action if you can get over jt and, and marty um 
<laughs> JBD won the other group. Yeah, that, that's right. Um, but it's been a lot. I mean, some of them in a lot of guys are catching them fishing points and shoals for herring. But like today, crochet won fishing ploppers and buzz toads and fishing shallow for fish setting up, you know, uh, you know, I don't know if they're pre-spawn or spawning or post-spawn, but, uh, uh, who do I got in the final? I don't, I don't have to, ugh. I mean, I know crochet had all his weight pretty much in the first period and he laid off him and he was spending the whole time. So a lot of guys were spending time scouting. So I think we're going to see some fireworks in the knockout in the final round. It's uh it's a tough to pick, but, uh, I mean, if you looked at the other day, it looked like, uh, LeBrun looked unstoppable, but I think he had a tough day today. Um, yeah, it is a bit of a boring <laughs> retrieve, steady retrieve. Uh, I don't know if, well, everybody that's in is, oh, you're saying if he makes it to the knockout. Yeah, Jacob Wheeler, that's shocking that he didn't hardly make any noise. He wasn't even close, really, to making the cut, I don't think, or at least after day one, he wasn't. Um, yeah, it's just interesting. It's that many guys. I mean, like, like Gary Klein caught a monster. I don't know if he made the cut. We could, I suppose we could pull it up and look. Ooh. Let's see who's, uh, I guess Canal had a big day. He came back. I don't know. He had to, no, he just, he had a big day the first day. 32nd for Wheeler. Yeah. I've, I've been busy at work, but I've been trying to sneak on this a little bit and it's, it's been better than most. Like they're, they're catching them. Like it's, you know, cook. So for almost 42 pounds, the cut ended up being 32. So 16 a day Rojas last one in, but a lot of guys that, you know, Scroggins hasn't been doing great. Uh, been a minute since he's made a cut. Dean Rojas, I think is 80th in points coming into this. Um, LeBrun had 25-10 the first day. So, I mean, Canel probably laid off his Connell probably laid off his fish once he felt like he was pump comfortably in. But yeah, like uh let's see here. I mean, a lot of guys are catching 15 pounds a day, you know, and you you were still not close to the cut at 15 pounds a day. Bertrand had a tough tournament. He only had four the first day. Spencer Shuffield, he was on my fantasy team. I thought, you know, he's a forward-facing guru, and he did not really do well here. So that um, – then we can look at uh, how do we get to bucket. Uh, you think there would be an easier way to get to group A? <laughs> like a button? Come on. Group A. So Van Dam, he had 40. It was about the same weight. Um, cut was pretty close, right around 32 pounds again. Suggs, not a guy that's been lighting up the BPT he got in. So there's some Biffle didn't quite make it. Jordan Lee didn't make it. Wheeler didn't even come close to making it. I mean, he was way back. MDJ didn't make it. So interesting. Uh, yeah. 
maybe the icons. Maybe you can't beat anybody to his fish, and the icon's too slow. <laughs> yeah, didn't Gary? Did he make it? Klein, yeah, Klein the sixth in bucket eight. He had, I want to say he had like an eight pounder on the second round or second day of his round. So yeah, been a while since Gary Klein has made a cut. So that'd be cool to watch him. Uh, no idea. I, I'm a very casual hockey fan. I definitely follow Tourney Fisherman more than I follow hockey. Um, sorry, Bob. <laughs> Good numbers tonight. We were up uh, 140 when Scott was on. Once he left, you guys, about 50, you ditched me. So that's all right. What's going on? I don't think there's anything. Uh, got some guests in the pipeline. I don't know which night I'm streaming next week. I need to probably get a member stream coming up here pretty good. Um, but I don't know. It was a fun talk tonight. I think we'll probably wrap it up early. We can probably go over and check out Jermaine's stream if you guys are glutton for some more uh, some bass fishing talk. Uh, I think I'm going to wrap things up. hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, as always, here to help you guys catch more big bass and suck less. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Please consider sharing this with any of your bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hellabass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less.